What is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the May 4th edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news, brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Darth Fiasco, but you can call me John, and I am joined by the Padawan in training, the king of the courtside, the courtside king, Padawan Joey. What's up, buddy? I mean, guys, if there's any reason to watch the live show, it's for things like this. You're missing Darth Binks over here on screen. Uh, John is in his full Sith getup. He's got a hood on and everything. I'm surprised he didn't even tint his lights red. Wouldn't be surprised Tempting. if they turned that throughout the show. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's just another reason to join for the live show. You can interact and chat. You can watch John's cosplays. We're still waiting for that Tom Kench one to come. <laughs> but we're getting there, slowly but surely. Joe, I don't know if there's going to be any red tinting today uh, in the lights. But I do want to make a formal announcement. I do have the baby. Oh, the child is in his possession. And he will <laughs> stay with the Empire. It's so Simple. funny how like albino the child looks with your lighting like that. Right? It's like really, really, really <laughs> freaking bright. It's ridiculous. Uh, uh, Nation, believe it or not, this is Level Up Live. Uh, not a Star Wars uh, cosplay uh, RPG show. But, uh, but yeah, we're working in there because we are Star Wars fans. And Joey, it is May the 4th. International Star Wars Day, so May the 4th be with you, my good sir. Uh, and to everyone here at Level Up Nation, uh, hopefully you're Star Wars fans. If you're not, you know how to close the window. Simple as that. Uh, <laughs> Nation, make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Level Up Live. That is at LVLUP Live. And while you are on Twitter, you might as well be following us. Since you're watching us or listening to us, follow Joey at Courtside King, myself at Fiasco. If you're here live on Twitch, welcome. You can see me in my crazy little outfit. That's cool there. Uh, handles are below the camera, the cameras on the screens in front of you. Podcast listeners, check the show notes below. And Nation, as always, live the live place to be is obviously Twitch, and that's the best place to be as well. Uh, check out the Level Up podcast, uh, the podcast form of the show available roughly 24 hours after the live stream ends. Uh, check out Level Up podcast available on your podcatcher of choice. Extra credit, use your Amazon Prime. Yeah, fun fact, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you have a Twitch Prime sub that you can use. Uh, do not let Joey blow up another planet. Alderaan was enough, okay? Alderaan was enough, Joey. Uh, he will blow up another planet if you do not use your Amazon Prime, Twitch Prime sub uh, for OTN Media. Okay, Joey, what is on tap for tonight's show? What are we talking about? That is a great question, sir. Uh, it has been a <laughs> bit of a rougher week here for Xbox, for sure. Uh, so, kind uh, of hitting on some of the Xbox pain points of the last couple weeks. Last week, we talked about the CMA saying no to the Activision Blizzard acquisition. We're not going to talk too much on that this week, as the appeals process is still kind of working its way through the court system and the filing and all that goodness. But... Uh, Xbox has been rolling with the punches, some better, some worse. Uh, we have a new dashboard design coming out for Xbox players, Redfall. Uh, it dropped, and uh, it, it took a bite from the critics instead of taking a bite out of players, given the vampire theme. We have confirmation of that Xbox game showcase in Starfield Direct in the summer with a few more details on that front. Phil Spencer just gave a candid interview about the state of Xbox right now as well as some new fun game announcements, particularly in the indie genre, one of those being a new League of Legends story as well. And then, John, as you said at the top of the show, in your nice little hood there, it is May the 4th, so talking a little bit about some of the Star Wars games uh, that both have kind of impacted us over our time in the gaming industry, uh, as well as some that we might be playing now, like Jedi Survivor, to get some initial thoughts on that as well. 
Absolutely, Joe. We have our topics before we can dive into that. It's time for our drink of choice. Sir, what is your beverage for today on May the 4th? That is a great question. I am drinking a sparkling water today. Uh, Lemoncello from LaCroix. It's LaCroix. 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 That's as simple as that. Uh, Joey, I am celebrating the Nationals doing something. Uh, So I'm having a Coke Zero in my 2019 World Series Champions Washington Nationals Natitude Souvenir Cup from Nats Park. Oh, yeah, that's right. Take that, Cubbies. Uh, You just lost the series to a horrible, horrible, horrible team, and you actually spent money in the offseason where we did not. (laughs) Sucks to be a Cubs fan. All right, Joey. We have our topics. We have our beverages. Let's get into our first segment here. And, of course, that segment is Gaming Esports News, and that is presented by GamerBytes. Bite-sized gaming and esports news delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today. Check out the link in chat if you're here on Twitch. Podcast listeners, check the notes below for the link. Joey, let's get into gaming and esports news. Let's go. Absolutely. Speaking of Gamer Bites and Star Wars, guys, John had a very fun story, and there were some nice little Star Wars puns of sorts uh, in this past week's issue, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, it's also available as an article on the website as well, otnmedia.org. Who, me? Yeah, absolutely you. And your Nats. I saw you tweeting about some bad bull chain or bullpen management, rather, and then they ended yeah, up coming it, back it, to it, win, thankfully. Davey, Davey Martinez needs to go. I'm just putting that out on record. He needs to go. He's, he's not a rebuilding manager. He needs to go. Need to rebuild him, it sounds like, from the sound of things. <sighs> no uh, but this is not a baseball podcast. We might have one of those Could one be. day. Uh, we do discuss some MLB The Show from time to time, but for now it is not in the topic reel, at least at the top of the show, as we are going to talk about that heavy week for Xbox. So again, just a quick recap, the CMA, uh, the British organization that overlooks the competitive market for Great Britain in the United Kingdom, said, hey, Xbox, we do not approve of your acquisition of Activision Blizzard. So that is one of kind of the big three they needed to get. They need to get the FTC, they need to get the UK, and they need to get the EU. There are some other strategic markets out there as well, like Japan, China. Japan has approved at this point. Um, Brazil approved, which is another big kind of market in South America. Uh, But in the end, can the deal pass without the UK? Uh, It's still kind of up in the air if that's a possibility. It could happen, but they do need the FTC and the EU at the very least to even consider that. Um, But they are going to move through with the appeals process. So we'll keep an eye on that. But again, not talking more about it on today's show. So next up, the new Xbox dashboard. John, if you want to pull this one up on screen for those here with us on Twitch. uh, One of the big pain points of Xbox fans, I'm not really one of those fans um, on this perspective. I don't have too many issues with the dashboard. I guess I don't really spend enough time looking at it. I'm typically playing the games. Um, But some people really like the dashboard and really like their background. So one of the big arguments has been, hey, Xbox, the tiles are too big. And this feels like it's been going on for like a year now at this point. People want to see their background, and I get it. I think my background is a custom screenshot, uh, the one I'm using recently from Star Wars Fallen Order, uh, the last big Star Wars Jedi game. And it looks cool, and I'm fine with it. I can see it every once in a while when I scroll around. I'm like, oh, nice screenshot there, Quartzite King. Um, But in the end, I don't really look at it that much. Uh, I do get it, and I can see some pain points here. I like that we can see more background with this new concept. Uh, They do shrink kind of all the game tiles. There's still the ads in the bottom right, bottom middle part, which some people have issues with. Personally, I use the ads to tell when there's sales going on in the store. Uh, So I, again, am not going to complain too much on that front, but I do get the pain point. You're paying for something. You don't really want ads on it even if they are minuscule and they do kind of fit the setting. Uh, On top of that, if you take background pictures, you just want to see a background that's dynamic with your game. I get that too. Uh, So I think this is a nice change, John. 
Again, it's not a game changer for me, but it seems like fans are liking this quite a bit. I think the thing that I pull away most is the five at the top. They put five little buttons at the top now uh, for quick access to my games, the store settings, and different things like that. Uh, that, to me, is a little bit more relatable in the areas that I use the dashboard. Yeah, I, I like the new layout, okay? Like, if, if you're going to redo how the dashboard looks, that's fine. Like, give it just a, a friendly user interface like uh, like uplift like it, it it hasn't changed in a while and, that, and that's fine but i'm sorry joey how long do you spend on the main menu before you load into a game that's what i'm seconds? saying like half the Five time seconds. it's like i turn it on and ran to the bathroom or something is like when it gets the most play time i'm sorry if if, if you have paid 500 dollars for an xbox or or 300 if you have the series s and you are sitting on the menu page or the dashboard, if you will, of your Xbox console for longer than 10 seconds as you select what game or what app you're going to open. You're doing it wrong. You're, you're, I'm sorry, Joey. Like, even when I had a PlayStation, like, PlayStation was like, oh, yeah, get this cool, you know, dynamic background that matches up with this new release for $5.99. First off, why am I going to pay money for a background or a theme that I'm really not even going to be looking at longer than 5, 10 seconds as the damn thing boots up? But two, it's like, who cares? Like, yes, I, I, I like the new layout. I like the smaller icons. I like how it looks a little bit more neat. I like the five buttons at the top, like you said. But at the end of the day, Joey, I could give two gungden butts about the oh, background wow. wallpaper. Like, I really do not care one bit. And I'm sorry, if you're sitting at home right now, if you're listening in your car, if you're listening while you're working, I, I, wherever you are, if you're sitting here to, to yourself saying, I'm triggered because John on Level Up right now is making fun of me wanting to look at my wallpaper on my Xbox console, you know what? I said it before, I'll say it again, you know exactly where that X is in the upper right-hand corner of your screen. Just close it out because this is not for you. Like, I'm sorry, this is ridiculous. The fact that people are actually pissed off about wanting to see wallpaper and they've been raising hell for years over it. I'm sorry. Go outside. You see that little green stuff on the ground that's starting to grow? It's called grass. Touch it. <laughs> Roll around in it. Smell it. Smell a flower. Go cut the grass. Be nice for a change. Get outside and live. And stop complaining about dynamic wallpaper in the background of your damn Xbox console. I'm sorry. It's just, it feels like every single week there's something stupid that gamers come up with to be ridiculously outraged over. And now it's dynamic wallpaper on the desktop, on the uh, on the dashboard for your Xbox console. Joey, if I ever spend longer than 15 seconds on the dashboard for the next box, just put me down. Just 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 put me down. I, I don't I don't want to be here anymore. I have no desire to look at the wallpaper on my Xbox ever, ever. Just get me into the damn game. Yeah, I mean, to play slight Ugh. devil's advocate, it does no. look nice. I mean, no. it is appealing with the changes. I like it. I think the tiles underneath the main games, and for those who aren't live on Twitch, it's a little bit harder to see, um, but you can find the image on the internet as well. I think those could probably get a little bit smaller. Uh, I think my biggest issue, and it's more of a functionality than a look thing, I wish we could pin a few things on the main dashboard page. Like, we have the ability to pin below it, but there are certain things, like I do the rewards things, for example. I go into the little rewards app, I click on something that has me open Internet Explorer or Microsoft Edge or whatever the Xbox uses nowadays. I despise that browser on Xbox. There is no reason I will ever want to be on an Internet browser on a console. But it opens up and then it kind of finds its way into my queue because the whole queue is based on recently touched apps and games and whatever. I don't want it there. 
I would much rather pin, I don't know, the top three games I'm playing right now. Maybe I pin the rewards app and maybe I leave a few spots for recent toward the end. But I feel like it would be a nice change of pace if we could pin different apps there. Because if I open a bunch of things, and especially like on the Xbox in particular versus the PlayStation, with quick resume, it's so easy to switch between games. And then you can end up clogging up your recently played so quickly just from flopping around to different things like, oh, come play this with me. Sure, friend, I'll go do that. Oh, now I'm going to jump back into this single player game. And now I'm going to jump into this other game I've been achievement hunting in. And it just, it feels like it can clog the tray up very quickly. And I wish we had a little bit more customization on that front to, I don't know, either pin things a little bit or group things or hell, it's Windows. I mean, this is literally a direct Xbox Give me the Windows dashboard. Give me the ability just to drop little icons wherever the hell I want them. No, Joey. <laughs> Joey, look, I have seen your desktop. Your icons block the dynamic wallpaper on the Xbox console if you were to have the Windows uh, functionality on your Xbox. Absolutely not. This whole thing stems from a bunch of mouth breathers who don't go outside complaining about wanting to see their damn back with their wallpaper on their backdrop of their xbox and you're gonna sit here and want to pin things on the wallpaper that's gonna take up more space or god forbid you get the windows version on xbox and you put icons all over the damn thing <laughs> joey that defeats the purpose i'm sorry but on behalf of the mouth breathers out here who want to watch their their wallpapers and their dynamic wallpapers based upon whatever game they're hovering over for five minutes before they load into it because they just want to look at a freaking image because that's a lot more fun than playing the game um yeah you know that's offensive to them that's offensive to them they're not going to go outside and touch grass they want to see the digital grass on their background of a screenshot they took four months ago to remind themselves of what the outside world looks like because it's very scary out there <laughs> I'm as you can tell we're, we're a little opinionated <laughs> on the whole background thing here it's uh, stupid it's stupid <laughs> It's just one of those things, and, I, and you and I obviously are the same in this. Like, we just don't spend enough time on it. And with the load times of games nowadays, they load in so freaking quickly. Even these big AAA titles with giant open worlds, you just don't spend enough time there. Like, either you're in the rewards app, you're in a game, you're in YouTube. Whatever the case may be, you're in something. You're not chilling on the dashboard. Now, who knows? Maybe with the dynamic images, John, I will feel so tranced that I will sit there and watch the game's background for some random key art instead of playing the game itself. I don't think that's going to be the case, but now at least we have the option for that to be the case, I guess. Don't do that, Joey. Speaking of games you probably won't have on your new desktop, <laughs> that is Redfall. Uh, this game has definitely sunk its teeth into the media, uh, and they've sunk them right back into it. Uh, it has been a, a, a critical affair, per se. Uh, Redfall, currently on Open Critic, is pulling in a very high rating of 61 out of 100. Uh, just over that failing grade mark, or right in that failing grade mark, rather. 19% of critics recommending this one, a very weak rating overall. So, rightfully so, Xbox is getting panned for releasing this one. Uh, this is a game, and you and I mentioned it, John, as soon as we saw it, it was like two E3s ago. It's like, this game just doesn't look super riveting. We got a very big, long, it felt like a four or five minute cinematic to really end the showcase where you want to put that one more thing. And this felt like a lackluster one more thing. It felt like Fortnite meets Left 4 Dead. The graphics were very cartoony uh, for something that's supposed to be a little bit more, I guess it's horror, horror thriller based. Uh, it didn't feel like it was quite there. You have some abilities, but then there's so many games with abilities nowadays, like Overwatch and Apex and so on and so forth. 
It just didn't feel like it was going to deliver in that opening cinematic. Then we went on. It sounded like development was coming together. It got a full year delay. So we're like, okay, it should come out. should be pretty polished. Uh, Arcane has always been known for great environmental storytelling. Let's see what they can put together. Then this puppy came out. And, John, uh, there has been everything on this game uh at first they showed the thing in 60 fps for so long and all the marketing material then for the console players it drops at 30 fps uh the npcs are probably some of the dumbest npcs i've seen in gaming in maybe 20 years at this point uh to age ourselves a little bit uh, they are beyond dumb like it is uh, it is probably below star wars movie stormtrooper level like, some of these people are oblivious. You can just walk around punching their allies when they're right next to them, and no one will notice. It's like, oh, my teammate didn't just get clobbered half a centimeter away from me. Uh, so they're just very oblivious. Um, the sinks are another thing that's popped up a lot. You can turn the water on in the sinks, but the water doesn't come out of the spout. But you do hear the sound effect, and then you see water splashing on the ground. Uh, so it's a little bit fascinating on that front as well. Uh, it just seems like the last year was not used for polish. And I honestly don't 100% know what it was used for, to be completely honest. Yeah. I mean, Joey, it is May the 4th, so I'm just going to be packing a bunch of Star Wars references in here the entire show. Uh, this Redfall is so bad, it makes Order 66 look look like a day at the carnival. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, you know, and, and that had younglings being killed. Like, <laughs> at least the younglings next to them knew what was happening. Uh, the NPCs here are like, hmm, I don't know. Did someone just get cut down by a lightsaber? Yeah, no, it's this is so dumb. Um, this game should not have been released. Period. In the story, uh, it, it deserves all the backlash it's getting. It looks terrible. Uh, like you mentioned a couple of years ago, when it was released as the oh one more thing. I, I remember Joe, you and I were. I, I believe we were co-streaming that one. Yeah, it was us and, and Drew. Yeah, and Redfall came up, and we we're just like, that's the finale. Like it was weak. I mean, not. Not just because it was the one last thing, but overall, it was weak. I mean, it did not look good. Like, I mean, I, like I, I could not get excited for. It. Like, one, it's an overdone genre. Okay, then on top of it, it just everything just looks bad. Like the gameplay, the NPCs, everything. The re like, look, you know, you know, Star Wars Jedi Survivor got review bombed because of bugs in the game. Uh, this game's getting review bombed because it's absolute just. Wow, oh, I'm trying to think of a Star Wars reference here. Um, <laughs> this game is so bad, it should have never left the Dagobah system. It should have just oh. stayed in the swampy mess that was development hell and just sunk and died, is, is what it should have done. This, I, I know this game needs to go away. I think Xbox realizes the mistake it made. Yeah, and I mean, it's not just an Xbox thing, right? And I mean, yeah. this is where the shilling part comes in a little bit, and I'm going to get panned for it. Uh, but it is a Bethesda thing, right? And these two are yes. still operating independently, and I think people need to realize this. Now, should Xbox and Microsoft be at fault? 100%. They definitely accept some blame here. But I think part of that blame is just how loose they are with the creatives here. And a lot of it is like they're giving the full creative energy to these studios, which I love. We've gotten some really cool games out of it. You look at Grounded, amazing game from Obsidian over there. Small team, but a really cool experience. Kind of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids meets survival game for those who haven't played it. Uh, you have Hi-Fi Rush that came out from Tango Gameworks, a studio known for horror games. Really cool music-driven type of battler game that came out earlier in January. High critical acclaim. Unfortunately, lower player count, but it should completely go up because it's still on my game of the year list right now. I mean, overall, 
they have released some good games. Now, they have definitely released some bad games as well. Halo Infinite, obviously, really good beta. Everyone's super stoked for that game. It releases, has absolutely no live service plan. Uh, you end up with a game like Redfall here. Uh, it got delayed, I think it was over a year. It was at least nine months, but I think it was even closer to 13 or 14 months um, from its initial delay. And then it came out, and here it is. It's got sinks that throw water at the end of the ground before they come out of the faucet. Uh, it has logos, like uh, at least on the Xbox console version. Everything takes forever to load in. Like You see so many images of the Fire Station logo, which is like the first location you go to in the game. And it's just pixelized. Like, it's not loading in. It took 30 seconds for someone to load it in on these really high-powered consoles that can even compete with some PCs nowadays. So it's just, it's fascinating to see that this ended up getting through quality control. And it sounds like a lot of the issues were with Unreal Engine. Now, that's not an epic fault. I think that, again, comes back to kind of the management here of Bethesda and Microsoft. It sounds like they have teams in place. I mean, the Coalition is kind of the lead team for Unreal Engine. They did the Matrix demo to help Epic out with that. Gears of War ran phenomenally well in the Unreal Engine. They've kind of been the pioneers for Unreal 5 as well. So I feel like the teams are there to support this. It's just maybe a hand wasn't raised to ask for support earlier. Um, but from a management perspective, you would think like the boss would be like, hey, this game's not coming together. We gave a giant delay. It's now three months after that delay. So we're still nine months left to go. And we're feeling like this game just isn't quite there, like graphically, whatever it may be. I don't think anyone's going to confirm this, but I feel like the case is Microsoft bought them. They said, hey, we're not super excited about Redfall. I think as the team went on with this being a passion project, Arcane probably started falling off of Redfall a little bit. Uh, it's probably tough to tell once you're in that developer lens of like where your game actually is in comparison to where players want it. But Arcane has always been one of the studios that delivers huge critically acclaimed games. You have Prey, you have Dishonored, phenomenal games, but they never pull in a ton of players. So I feel like from the Arcane perspective, they're like, we keep making these great games. No one but critics is playing them. How can we pull players in? Well, let's hit the buzzwords, right? Like we hit multiplayer, we hit co-op, we hit open world, we hit looter shooter. Like they just kind of combined everything together and then you throw zombies or vampires in just for the hell of it and we end up getting Redfall. And I feel like somewhere along the line, some of that passion started to fall off. Now again, the developers are great and I'm sure there were mistakes made and management mistakes as well. But in the end, we end up with an incomplete product. Uh, certain things will get fixed. You'll have the FPS patch eventually come out. Uh, I have a feeling sinks will eventually have water that runs and doesn't just spill out the bottom of them. Uh, but in the end, is this game going to be phenomenal? No, it's not. Is it going to be good? It could be good. I still think it would be a decent game in a co-op experience on a higher difficulty. I think from what I've seen, the NPCs react a lot better on those like nightmare difficulties. Can I do a nightmare difficulty on my own? Probably not. Um, but you give me a friend or two in there, and I think you get some good laughs going, maybe throw back a beer if you're of age, uh, and then just kind of jump in there and have some fun on a higher difficulty. It could be a decent experience, but still, it's not going to be one of those things you want to devote a ton of hours to, at least from what I've played. Maybe it gets to see a Thieves treatment where, I don't know, years later it still has enough, but I just... I don't feel like Microsoft or Bethesda is going to pour a ton more money budget-wise into this game. I think it's kind of going to be put on life support here in the near future. Joey, Hexadecimal said it perfectly. It's poodoo. This yeah. game was 100% poodoo. Um, it, it needs to go. Like, I'm not even going to bother with it. Like, I don't know. Like, I wasn't sold from the get-go. Um, but this just makes it even worse. Um, yeah, not touching this one. I got hard drive space on my Xbox for... Uh, I don't know. Games that aren't quite as poodoo as Redfall, <clears throat> where NPCs actually respond. 
um, when you stab their partner right next to them a centimeter away. I mean, that's um, the thing that got me, right? Like, you're <laughs> literally mailing someone right next to them. How do you not hear it? Like, anything. Yeah. And I'm so, playing, I think, on the normal difficulty. I just tried to play, like, 30 minutes of it to see what it's like. And it's just, that's the normal difficulty. People should be able to hear at least what's happening next to them. Like, come on, fam. Yeah, I would rather download Gotham Knights than, than play Redfall. <laughs> yeah, we, and this is just, again, Xbox is getting panned for this, but this just seems like an industry issue right now. Like, we've had so many games release buggy. You have Cyberpunk, you have Halo Infinite, Gotham Knights was another one that got panned. Suicide Squad does not look very good. Uh, they've gone back, and I think they've already been delayed a year. Now they get another year delay for that game. You have Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, it looks really good, and from what i played so far, it's a phenomenal game. But the PC version is practically unplayable. Uh, from the PlayStation side of things, The Last of Us on PC has been absolutely horrendous. Uh, there's just It feels like, I don't know if it's a PC hardware issue. Uh, Redfall, obviously, going beyond that because it's also having console issues. Um, and so is Jedi Survivor to some degree. But it feels like the PC version especially... I don't know if it's like a post-COVID thing or what it is, maybe the number of different hardware types out there currently. I don't feel like it's much different from what it's been in the last couple of years, but for some reason, just developing and optimizing for PC has been a nightmare for the last year or two. Here is my perspective, and I think this is an industry trend that was happening even before uh, COVID. I think COVID just made it worse uh, a lot faster. Honestly, and, and this is a very general statement. This is not directed at each individual developer or anyone that works with a development team. Um, this is just my viewpoint from what I've seen over the last 20-plus years of playing video games. Um, the Internet has made developers lazy. Uh, the reason I say that is because we as gamers, and I've said this before, have accepted the fact that we will pay full price for a game that's 60% completed. You did not have that problem on the Nintendo 64, on the Sega Genesis, on any of the cartridge or CD-based gaming consoles because they had to ship a completed game. If there was a bug that was in the game, then there was a bug that was in the game and it was a part of the game. Uh, it's, it is what it is. Like Once it was out, it was out. It had to be shipped out in its entirety. There was no DLC. There, there was nothing else to go along with it. The DLC was called a sequel. It's as simple as that. Now, with the internet, with everything be, being connected to the internet and the ability to patch games because everything requires you to download the files, um, these developers can say, hey, look, we will create 60% of the game, make sure it's somewhat polished, roll it out, then roll a patch out two, three weeks later to make it run even better, and then, oh, that last 40% of the game that we know we want to do that's taking a little bit longer, we're going to release it as either paid DLC or if you got the uh, super premium badass version of the game, it's included uh, in the price of, of the DLC. And really, you're paying even extra for what the game was originally supposed to be. I honestly feel like the internet and the, the, connect, the connectivity that we have to the internet for these games and the digital aspect of all of these games make developers feel more comfortable about, about putting out half-assed finished projects out to the public for full price under the guise of DLC and patches that late come later on down the road. Um, now, that also being said, I feel like we are getting more content than we've ever had before. Uh, so it is kind of a catch-22 where, you know, 
as gamers, are we going to be fine with the idea of paying 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 dollars for an incomplete game? Because it's not just Star Wars Jedi Survivor. It's not just Redfall. It's not just No Man's Sky. It's almost every single game. Uh, and it's not like it's a League of Legends where it's a patch for like uh, balancing updates. It's a patch because the game's broken. It's a patch because there's, there's game-breaking bugs that reset your progress or make you start all over or makes the game completely unplayable because, you know, Ellie from The Last of Us has a gigantic hole in her face or something <laughs> crazy like that. You know, it's, it's stuff like that. Like, and that all comes down to the fact that developers say, hey, look, let's push it out there. Let's get our money. Let's get it out there. And we'll patch it in two to three weeks. I, I just feel like that's currently where we are in the state of game development. It's, it's, it's a sad place to be. Um, but honestly, 20 years ago, during the CD and cartridge area, uh, era, you had to put out a finished product. And I feel like that's a standard that should be continued in the digital age is making sure it's as close to 100% completed before you push it out because that's the way you win gamers over. That's the way you win loyalty to your game, to your studio. I mean, Joey, Bethesda had a massive, and still does to, to a point, massive loyal fan base and following. Um, but they've been putting out crap game after crap game, and it's really hurt them. Uh, so it's it's tough. It's a tough position for developers to be in. COVID didn't help anything, but that's honestly what I feel like is what's wrong in the gaming industry right now. Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right, and I think that's a huge adjustment for the industry to take. I think it stings even more right now because they just raised prices, right? Every game just got raised to $70. So on top of kind of the post-COVID action where we're still having all these games released in a buggy state, which I don't feel like was as big of an issue before COVID. There was definitely some of that, but I think over the COVID time with so many developers moving to work from home, having to go through that adjustment, maybe waiting for PC parts to be shipped to their homes, there was definitely some delay on things. We saw games get delayed. We saw uh, work effort get affected by how games are made from these different aspects where people are moving from an in-the-office environment to telework. And I think nowadays we're seeing a lot of that start to come together a lot smoother. Developers are used to it. Teams know how to work in that kind of not in a physical space environment at this point, or maybe they're hybrid. Um, but regardless, there's definitely been a big adaptation there. There's still weaknesses in that execution, at least from what we're seeing so far. And I mean, Bethesda has had some great games in recent years. Uh, Doom Eternal was one of them that did really well. Deathloop won a number of Game of the Year awards and nominations. So they have released some pretty good games, Deathloop being from Arcane in particular. Uh, the main studio behind that was Arcane Lyon over in France, this one being more Arcane Austin. But both teams kind of worked together in certain aspects for sure. In the end, uh, one landed a lot better than the other. And I think I have high hopes for what Arcane Austin puts out next, but I do not see Redfall having the biggest of turnarounds to kind of get the job done here. Now, I think the saving grace is that it's on Game Pass. Does this sell Game Pass subs? Probably not. Does this pull more people in to try the mess that is Redfall because it's on Game Pass? Absolutely. Now, it is still a bigger download. You're going to have to download some gigs and use up some storage to get it done. But like me, for example, would I have been out and spent $70 on Redfall? Absolutely not, especially after reading some of these reviews. Did I go download it to play it and see how much of a mess it really was? Absolutely. It's like that, do you want to watch a train wreck situation going on? Yes. You just can't turn away. You kind of have to give it a try and just see how bad those NPCs are. 
So it's worth a download, at least for that perspective. Is it worth a lot of your time? Probably not in its current state. Will it ever be? I don't know. Uh, I think, again, its best bet is to be played in co-op at a higher difficulty. Could bring some interest to it. Uh, if you want a good laugh, just watch the NPCs walk around. You'll either laugh or cry, one or the other. Uh, but in the end, yeah, it feels like Redfall at least has a long way to go in that front. And I think you're right, John, right? When it comes down to games being released... The fact that when you put a disc in, you don't even have the game anymore. It's literally a key to download the game or the majority of the game uh, is a huge change for the industry. And I think between that and COVID, it has really shifted how games are developed. And I don't think we're in a great place for the developers. Um, the other thing is just the budgets overall, right? Some of these games are taking decades to make. Uh, maybe not most. Most are probably taking that three to five year range, but it's still a lot more time than we saw a GoldenEye 007 or a Banjo-Kazooie uh, or whatever being made in the 90s at that point when cartridges were still a giant thing. Um, so it's curious to see like how that budget versus that time that it takes to make games and how all of that balances out in today's day and age to equal that $70 price point, but also to equal that complete experience or at least mostly complete experience up front versus the 65 to 70% that we've gotten on the last couple of launches. Okay, we're going to move on from Redfall as much as we would love to spend more time on that game. Uh, no. We're going to move into a quicker topic. This one still with Xbox because, again, it has been a very Xbox-heavy week. The Xbox Game Showcase and Starfield Direct. It was previously confirmed, but now we have some more details on the exact time of those. Sunday, June 11th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time will be the home for the Xbox Game Showcase. We don't have how long it will take yet, but I think we can estimate around 90 minutes. Uh, that's typically been what we've seen that showcase go somewhere in that time frame, maybe two hours at most. But with the Starfield Direct directly following it, I think that'll cut out what would make it two hours. Uh, so I think that'll be an additional 30 minutes or so onto the end of it. And that one's going to start whenever the first one ends. So I would estimate around 2.30 p.m., maybe 3 p.m. Uh, on Sunday, June 11th. So I'm excited for this, Sean. I think it'll be great. Uh, I think there has been a lot of feedback based on last year's showcase. Uh, last year, they kind of focused on the next 12 months ahead. We've seen some of those titles hit. We've seen some of those titles miss. Uh, Starfield, for example, was in that next 12 months, and unfortunately, it is getting dropped uh, out into the September timeframe, so not quite making that agenda. And there's been some other games that have definitely moved uh, within that same window as well. Um, I like the 12 months ahead. I wasn't too sad about it. I know certain people would like to see some of the stuff farther out, uh, which is ironic because these same people were critiquing Xbox for showing games that are too far out too early. Um, so I, they're going to have to try to find a happy medium on this one. Personally, I think you focus mainly on the next 12 months of games, but then you throw in some nice flashy stuff like your Fables, like your Perfect Darks, whatever might be a little bit farther out to still tease people to show them that these bigger projects are in the works at Xbox. And the Starfield Direct, I mean, that's just going to be pure Todd Howard goodness, uh, probably giving us a nice deep dive into what to expect in Starfield a couple months later. Any other thoughts on the game showcase? Is there a certain format you'd like them to take on that one on June 11th? Uh, do not game awards this, this presentation. I don't want five hours of just hot garbage. Uh, no, I I'm excited for it. I'm really excited for uh, Starfield Direct. Um, that's a game, obviously, there's a lot of hype around. I want to see more about that game. I plan on being an absolute, like, mouth breather when that game comes out and just, just lock into the game. May even stop my World of Warcraft subscription for a little bit and just focus on Starfield. Uh, the game looks incredible. The idea of being able to travel to, like, thousands of planets just sounds amazing. Uh, I just, I, I want to fly around our space, Joey. That's all I want to do. You're so, really on this mouth breather train tonight, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling spicy today. I apologize. 
I like it. I like it. Uh, and then last but not least, on Tuesday, June 13th, two days after the main showcase, Xbox James will be doing a showcase extended as well. Uh, similar to last year, it's kind of going to deep dive into a few of the games that we did see during that main showcase. Maybe Starfield as well, where it kind of sits down with a few other developers. Uh, some kind of host comes out. I think it... I mean... I don't know 100% what they do, but I wouldn't be surprised if they take some of the stuff they learned from the January Developer Direct and implement that as well, where it's a little less host-based and a little bit more developer-fronted or central, rather, um, kind of giving some insight from the developers a little bit deeper into the game. Uh, people still want to see gameplay. I love the idea of hearing devs talk, but I don't want to see a dev just sitting in a chair talking about a game. I'd rather see him playing it out on the screen or her playing it out on the screen as they go a little bit deeper into let's define how the inventory works will show us the inventory what does it look like or let's talk about this element of the map or the music will show us let us hear it um and i think that's the biggest part if they really want to deliver on that extend what we saw on sunday give us more details but make us see and hear those details uh, as opposed to just kind of sitting down and watching developer talk about it in an armchair Okay, last but not least, for the Xbox front of things, we have Phil Spencer. He hopped on the Kind of Funny X-Cast uh, to talk a little bit about some of the uh, craziness that has been happening around Xbox, really dealing a lot with Redfall, the UK decision on Activision Blizzard, uh, and just kind of the state of Xbox in general. And Xbox getting a lot of criticism recently uh, for games like Redfall falling. We've seen other things kind of fall off, like Perfect Dark, Fable, uh, Everwild, that game from Rare, we hear about these amazing games, everyone gets hyped about them, and we don't hear about them for years. Like, what is going on in the background? Why have we not seen gameplay of Fable yet? Is the team still developing the game? And the answer to a lot of these questions is yes, um, but as far as the timing goes, we still don't quite know on that front, so Phil trying to clear some things up. Uh, the one thing I love about Phil is he is not afraid to shy away from the tough question. And this is something I don't think you really see from many CEOs of anything. Uh, Phil being kind of the CEO or the leader, rather, of gaming over there. I think his title is officially CEO of gaming. Um, but a lot of people will stray away from these decisions. You're not going to see a Jim Ryan coming up and talking about this. You're not going to necessarily see a Reggie from Nintendo talking about this when he was there. Uh, no one really wants to address these problematic issues. You usually see the interviews canceled. Uh, Phil has kind of been different in that sense. And whether you agree with his leadership style or not, I love the fact that he comes forward. He's honest. He says, hey, I made a mistake. We made a mistake. These are the areas we're looking at improving the process. We realize we have made some great strides in certain things like earnings, but we realize we've also left gamers wanting more in these areas like delivering quality games. Uh, and they've kind of went through some of the pluses they've had, but a lot of the minuses they've had. Uh, and he kind of shores up certain areas like, hey, Redfall didn't land. We're going to do what we can to fix it. But at the same point, we're also going to keep moving with these other projects that we do have more faith in, uh, that we see gamers looking forward to in the next quarters ahead. Um, I do have a nice little summary here from Cloberl on Twitter. That's K-L-O-B-R-I-L-L-E. He um, covers a lot of the different Xbox Game Studios content. Uh, he did a really good job kind of summarizing the, e the interview, rather. But also check out Kind of Funny Gamescast. The interview, I think, was about 41 to an hour uh, time length-wise. Uh, 41 minutes, that is, to about 60 or so minutes. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Again, Phil does a really good job, as do the hosts on that show. Um, John, what are your thoughts just in general on kind of Phil Spencer's interview style, uh, as well as any points that jumped out to you kind of from this interview? Oh, look, I, if, if Phil gets crap for how he's so upfront and transparent, I would argue those people that are giving him crap don't understand what he's trying to do. At the end of the day, we are consumers. Uh, we are consuming this content, uh, whether it's 
uh, videos on Netflix, on YouTube, or, 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 or here on Twitch or on a podcast. We are consumers. If these gigantic billion-dollar corporations are more upfront and more transparent, tell us what's going on, I think people should be happy about that. Like, I don't know. To me, if someone goes, hey, we screwed up. This is a bad game. We made a bad decision here, and we recognize that, and we're going to do better next time. I'm sorry. Look, I mean, for me, like, I'm cool with that. Like, if like everyone makes mistakes, and in this case, people make million dollars worth of mistakes every single day in these companies, but they also make great decisions that result in hundreds of millions of dollars. So uh, at the end of the day, it's like I would prefer – the honesty, the blunt honesty that that Phil talks about. I enjoy that he doesn't cancel interviews, that he's very upfront, and that, you know, at the end of the day, he he takes the fall when he needs to for his organization. He's like, look, we need to do better. We understand that. Like, this is where we fell short. This is how we're going to do better in the future. Now, if every interview of his was him taking the fall because it's been crap after crap after crap after crap, then I would say it's a leadership problem. Uh, but the fact that he's transparent and the fact that there are good games coming out there, that they are being super transparent and being open and honest with the gamers. Um, I, to me, I just, I don't know. I personally like it. I, I think it's a, I think it's a breath of fresh air and I wish more people in high leadership positions were more open to communicate with their consumers uh, in regards to whatever product they're providing. Uh, Cause at the end of the day, it just feels like, you know, the consumer doesn't matter. Uh, a lot of times, large corporations just see you as a source of income, and they don't care if the product is good or bad. They'll say and do whatever they need to to get that 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 bucks out of your pocket. And then if it's bad, guess what? You're only allowed X amount of refunds. We're not going to refund you your money. Uh, thank you for your poor business decision as a consumer. Um, that's why a lot of people don't pre order anymore. Uh, they want to wait till the game comes out, they want to see what the bugs are. That's the reason why pre-orders are down for a lot of games. Um, so, yeah, I personally enjoy Phil Spencer and what he's doing uh, with Xbox. I enjoy the honesty, and I enjoy the fact that he's going on to these podcasts and being open and honest with what's going on with their uh, you know, upcoming major games like Starfield or their downfalls like Redfall. Uh, so I personally love it, and I think if anyone's actually critical of Phil being this open, I think they're missing the point. I agree. I mean, I think Phil, if you look anywhere in the industry, even if you look at PlayStation and Nintendo, there are so many developers and higher ups that respect Phil. And I think that just shows how industry wide he has an impact on everyone. Uh, he's just brutally honest. I mean, the dude plays games in certain meetings and he's shown that like he's over there unlocking achievements in Vampire Survivors during certain meetings. Like he is literally a gamer at heart. And I think that's something that kind of gets lost in the industry at the higher level of some of these, uh, especially publicly traded companies. Your EA, your Take Two. Do I see Strauss Zelnick and Laura Mielli out there playing different games regularly? Sure, they play some games here and there, but they're also very corporate. Phil, I feel like, is gamer first, corporate second. And I think from a gamer perspective, that really helps as far as going out there and getting these titles, making these deals, knowing what gamers want, delivering variety. And sure, Redfall is a miss, but I think people miss like all the good games that were released. They literally were the publisher of the year two years ago. They had Deathloop. They had Psychonauts 2 come out. Both were critically acclaimed. Psychonauts won a ton of Game of the Year awards. Deathloop won a ton of Game of the Year awards. Hi-Fi Rush came out just a couple months ago in January. 
absolutely phenomenal game and on a lot of people's list for short or short list rather for game of the year this year it'll probably lose to zelda or starfield or spider-man 2 but it's going to be on short lists all over the place it's phenomenal and i think that's one of the other things with phil in particular he goes on to stay in this interview and this is another thing that i really respect him on he wants to protect the creativity of the teams did arcane miss he says yes he admits they missed on this one but without that creative freedom you never get games like grounded which was phenomenal you never get games like Hi-Fi Rush from a horror studio that might be afraid to take a risk and go out from something they haven't designed before, and now you have this giant award-winning game. I mean, there's so many things that creative opens up, but can also close depending on how things go. So I love the fact that he came out and said, sure, Arcane missed on this one. Have they hit before? Absolutely. Dishonored was phenomenal. Prey, phenomenal. So they're going to still have that ability to have that creative freedom as a team. And that's going to be a thing throughout Xbox in general. Now, do I think they need to crunch down a little bit more on some of that creative freedom? Probably. Should Redfall have gotten this far and this close to launch with them now noticing that there's so many bugs involved? Probably not. So I think it's okay to have creative freedom, but maybe you also give a little bit of that constructive criticism in meetings leading up uh, in different stages of the development of the game. Maybe things from the core aspects of Redfall could have changed had those meetings taken place. So I think there needs to be a little bit of balance. I'm 100% with Phil. I think creative needs to stay. And I think creative is one of the beautiful things that makes the gaming industry what it is today. Uh, but at the same point, I do think uh, with them having so many studios now, 24 plus under their belt, there needs to be a little bit more crunch down on not necessarily timelines and goals, um, but a little bit more of that feedback maybe back and forth on where are you going with this or maybe questioning some concepts that developers might just not see on their side because they're absolutely loving this passion project that they're involved in. Yeah. I love it. So yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, highly recommend that interview. Uh, probably one of the best gaming interviews I've seen in recent years. He's just, you never really see someone again on that kind of CEO C-suite level get as... Um, as, give as much candor as he did. He was just brutally honest on different aspects, really took a lot of the blame for his teams, mentioned ways he can improve, and said, hey, most of all, I'm sorry, guys. This is what we're looking to try to change things. We're promising big games ahead, and I think they're going to deliver, right? Starfield, Forza Motorsport is going to be phenomenal in the racing genre. Hellblade 2, they haven't given a release date, but I think it's going to come out around holiday 2023, so sometime later this year, early next year. That's going to be followed by Avowed, which is going to be an amazing deep fantasy game. Uh, I think they really have some big barn burners to deliver in the next couple months, but people are going to get caught up on Redfall for now, and rightfully so. I mean, the game is not in a great state at all, so it definitely deserves criticism. Does Xbox deserve a ton of criticism? A little bit here and there, um, but I don't know if it's the end-all be-all. I don't think the Xbox division is going to be shut down uh, after this. It just literally had a second-highest second record-breaking quarter uh, of all time for the Xbox side of things. Okay, moving from Xbox to a couple other new game announcements, and then we're going to move into some Star Wars and wrap up today's show. Uh, let's talk Convergence, Sean. League of Legends, it's giant. Everyone knows it, especially if you're based in Asia. Super popular game that pulls in hundreds of millions of players a month. Uh, this one, Convergence, a League of Legends story, is going to follow Echo as a character in a 2D action platformer developed by Double Stallion, Traversing Zon. 
as that character of Echo from League of Legends. It's launching May 23rd on Nintendo Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, GOG, Steam, and Epic. Uh, I didn't put a trailer in here, unfortunately, for our Twitch audience, um, but I can work on pulling one up. Uh, John, I love the idea of League of Legends trying to expand on the lore, but doing it through partnerships. I think that's brilliant. Uh, indie games in particular bring so many fun design elements to the table, whether it be different art styles, whether it be different game concepts, and that way Riot Games can focus on what they're doing best, League of Legends. Valorant, uh, Runes or Legends of Runeterra, kind of focusing on these main games that they're constantly adding weekly updates or bi-weekly updates to, but also allowing their universe to be expanded on. You have Lore Masters at Riot Games that says, hey, that works within our lore, or this would be a cool thing to explore. You have indie game developers coming and pitching ideas to kind of hit on these legendary characters out there in giant games like League of Legends. I think Echo is a fun character. We saw his story expanded a bit in Arcane, which is an award-winning series over there on Netflix, and kind of one of the first ones to push gaming on TV to another level in the most recent decade. Uh, then you follow that up with good stuff like The Last of Us as well. Um, I love this idea. Do I think this is going to be a game on by day one? Maybe not for me in particular, but I do like this as an idea to continue to expand on League of Legends lore, uh, especially after it kind of got remapped a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, League of Legends has so much lore that they need to explore. Uh, I love the fact, like you said, Joey, they're kind of divvying up amongst other developers, too, to help tell those stories uh, a little bit faster for people that want more content to, to better understand the world that is League of Legends. Uh, yeah, I think this is great. I think Echo is a very interesting character. Uh, and like you said, even with Arcane, with uh, Echo being in there, really helped um, expand on that character a little bit more. And now that he gets his own standalone 2D platformer, I think it's great. Like 2D platformers are like super vintage now. Like the, the idea that this is coming like as a 2D platformer kind of gets me excited a little bit. Like it reminds me of like those old timey games um, with a new unique modern day twist on it with Echo from League of Legends. Uh, yeah, maybe not a day one download for me, but definitely one that I'd put in my queue. Uh, for something I take a look at later on down the road. Yeah, and I think it's a great way as well to expand to people who maybe haven't tried or don't care for League of Legends. How can we pull those people in to buy the next Lux skin before Fiasco does? Uh, I think this is Ooh. another fun way to kind of expand on that. How dare you? Draw more people into that and maybe get a few more of those cosmetic purchases down the line. You leave Lux out of this. I hear Lux you, has I hear nothing you. to do with this. Uh, how about the Planet of Lana moving from one L name to the other? Uh, I'm super stoked for this game. This is on my short list of indie games of the year. Uh, right up there kind of with the last case of Benedict Fox as well as uh, I would say Liza P uh, will be up there as well. Kind of that Dark Souls Pinocchio take. The Planet of Lana game looks phenomenal. A nice, like, um, I think it's hand-drawn, a very brushed paint perspective of design, I think is really artistically beautiful. Uh, cinematic puzzle adventure game, this one headed to Xbox and PC on May 23rd. Just got that release date, and it will also be day one on Game Pass. For those live with us here on Twitch, we'll give you a quick little preview of the trailer. And John, I know you love talking about art styles and games as well. What are your thoughts here on Planet of Lana? Yeah, the art style is great. Again, it's, it's unique. It's not, like, super polished like you see in a lot of these... Uh, you know, fully like Unreal Engine designed type of games. Like this is like, like you said, it has like a hand drawn feel to it. has an has like another Ori feel uh, to it as well. Uh, that same style of game, um, very unique way that the game looks, and I think that's great. It's I, I think sticking with the status status quo with what we're seeing coming out on console or on PC. Um, isn't always good. Switching things up, making things look unique and different uh, is a way to be successful. And I think this game looks great as well. Um, you know, definitely we'll take a look at it. Uh, maybe not on May 23rd, 
Um, but definitely a game that piques my interest uh, from what we've seen so far. Yeah, I definitely think it has a lot of potential to be a very good one as we kind of move forward, uh, especially throughout this year. Just so many big games coming out. I mean, Spider-Man 2 coming, Starfield. Uh, we already saw a Star Wars Jedi Survivor drop. We're going to talk about that shortly. Uh, you have The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, probably a Game of the Year candidate. Uh, Dead Space did really well earlier in the year. Final Fantasy 16 coming out. So it's a game loaded, or a year rather, loaded with a ton of AAA games. But on top of that, also getting some of these really cool indie games delivering, like this one, like The Last Case of Benedict Fox, uh, which for those on Xbox Game Pass, it is out now. I think it's available on Xbox and PC. That game is really freaking cool. Uh, John, I think you hit the nail on the head, kind of putting that one on your watch list. I played, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 minutes of it so far, and it is just phenomenal i mean the art style the mechanics uh it's the story is intriguing there's definitely a lot of mystery involved with it um yeah it's easily on a short list for any game of the year for me as well so some really cool stuff coming out to look forward to but yes planet of lana next on that list as far as indies go okay last but not least uh you hit it at the top of the show for those joining us live here on twitch uh john why don't you put that hood back up as we enter into this segment uh the child is in the possession of darth fiasco over there uh, or darth jar jar as i like to call him our nice little albino version of the child given john's bright lighting uh but star wars is the theme today may the fourth be with you uh i mean john star wars games have defined gaming for years it feels like um from the canceled project that everyone wishes was a thing with star wars 1313 the bounty hunter game to all these original games like Star Wars Episode One Racer. I remember spending hours in that game. Uh, Star Wars The Knights of the Old Republic, still the era that people of Star Wars fame wanting that to be part of canon are aiming for for years, and it looks like we might finally get that wish to come true. Just They have really defined uh, gaming, but really just the Star Wars realm in general, as we've seen those two kind of cross over as different entities. Uh, what's one of your favorite Star Wars games of all time, or where do you want to start off with this? I could stock Star Wars games for years, it feels like. Knights of the Old Republic. I mean, I feel like you cannot talk Star Wars video games without acknowledging Knights of the Old Republic. Um, that game literally to this day, in my opinion, is still one of the best games. Yeah, the mechanics are a little weird. Uh, but the story, just the overall gameplay, like that was probably one of the first largest successful Star Wars video games, period. Uh, even to this day, there's just so much talk about it, not just because the Old Republic is is such a uh, inspiring or um, just an era of Star Wars that attracts people to it, whether you're playing... Uh, you know, the RP, the MMORPG game, The Old Republic, or, you know, you're playing Knights of the Republic or Knights of the Republic 2. Just The Old Republic in general is such an untapped area um, of, of lore that needs to be explored more, not just in video games, but in, in movies as well, um, in TV shows and everything, which we may be getting there here and there. But I feel like when you talk Star Wars video games, Knights of the Old Republic is where you start. I like it. I think that is a great starting point for sure. Um, just out of curiosity, so I'm looking at kind of some of these older Star Wars games. Oh, this is fascinating. Do you know when the first Star Wars game was released? What year? Probably early 90s. Looks like 1983. Uh, we had a standalone Yikes. game, Star Wars Jedi Arena for the Atari 2600. Uh, and then there was also, it looks like some Star Wars games released later that year as well for Episode 4, A New Hope. 
Uh, so Star Wars games, yeah, they have been around for many, many years at this point. Kind of coming up on that 50-year anniversary here pretty soon. Brutal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the newest Star Wars game, we have Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, this one follows a game that it, I believe it was at least nominated for a couple Game of the Year awards when it came out in 2019. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, very fun game. A little bit of a nightmare to 100%. Uh, it is hard to traverse some of those planets and maps to kind of work your way back for some collectibles if you're an achievement or a trophy hunter. Uh, but in the end, a really good story, a really fun way to kind of move the story along between major episodes of the movies as well to fill in some of those gaps, uh, especially after the ordering of Order 66 from one of John's Sith friends over there who also wears a nice black hood. Uh, in the end, I feel like they delivered pretty well in Fallen Order, and I feel like Survivor, at least from the limited amount I've played, I've only been on two planets so far, uh, I feel like they've really expanded upon that scope-wise. It's not a true open-world game because there is some planet travel being um, imbued here and there as well as some blockades as you kind of progress your story to move forward into certain sections of the map. But overall, the maps feel massive. I feel like graphically it is very well done. Now, one thing we have to address, obviously, is the bugs. Um, I have honestly not hit too many bugs on the Xbox side of things. Um, I, I know there are out there. I know some people talk about frames dropping. I really haven't noticed too much of a frame drop. I don't know if you have, John. Um, but yeah, really not too many bugs that I'm noticing on my side yet. Yeah, no, I haven't noticed any bugs whatsoever so far in, in my playthrough. Now, again, a patch did just come out the other day uh, for PC and for console. Um, but again, like up until that patch still did not have any performance issues that I noticed. Uh, there are no game breaking bugs. Uh, there was nothing that made me go, hmm, that shouldn't be there, or hmm, that arm should probably be attached to that character and not floating around the catina, uh, cantina. Um, so, like, there, there's nothing, like, weird or anything that I noticed either. Uh, again, you know, most of the complaints are coming on the PC side, uh, which uh, was a direct port of the game from console to PC, which, again, anytime that happens, it's not going to go well. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I haven't experienced anything on, on the Xbox side of it. Um, I haven't played it on PC. I probably won't be playing it on PC because I don't plan on buying it twice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I haven't experienced anything at all. Yeah, I haven't really had too many issues either. It seems like um, I'm not going to say all of the issues on our PC. There are definitely some issues for some Xbox users. Uh, I've heard PlayStation has very um, bad screen tear on certain parts as well for the PS5. So there are issues out there for console gamers, but it seems like the heavy majority, 80% plus, I would say, are on the PC side of things. I mean, just take a trip to the Steam review section. Uh, it's not looking too pretty over there. So in the end, I mean, as John said, they're working on patches. They just dropped one recently. They have a lot more in the works, especially for the PC side of things, uh, to address that screen tearing, to address FPS issues, to address textures not loading appropriately. There are definitely a lot of issues on that side. And if you're looking to get it on PC, you might want to wait a couple weeks. Um, I haven't heard of this game in particular bricking PCs, but the last couple releases, uh, like The Last of Us, I know bricked quite a few PCs out there. So it just seems as a PC gamer, you want to be a little bit more hesitant nowadays uh, as these developers still kind of tr get things together, especially in ported games. Um, but in the end, I think it will land well once it does kind of get those bugs shored up. It's already landing well with critics. Uh, minus the bugs, it seems like a lot of reviews coming in in the high 80s, around 86, 87 seems to be where it's averaging out. So pretty strong out of 100. Um, and overall, like John and I said, neither one of us encountering too many bugs yet. John, I don't know how far you've gotten in the game. I'm kind of on planet number two, um, so not yeah. very far into the game, but I really haven't encountered much issues yet. Yeah, same thing. Um, the game's been great so far, too. Uh, 
I mean, you're seeing it right now on the screen. This opening shot of the game when you, when you're on Coruscant, just just phenomenal. Uh, the fact that that's the very first planet that you go to, and you get to run around Coruscant a little bit is just is is fantastic. It looks great. It looks absolutely beautiful, decked out in the colors of the Empire, uh, as as you know the way it should. Uh, Coruscant looks fantastic. And it was such a beautiful opening shot of uh, what true galactic peace looks like, and that is with the Empire in charge of Coruscant. Yeah, it is. It's been an experience so far. There's a lot more I'd like to say, but again, both of us need to progress a lot farther in the game to be able to yes. talk too much more about it. Um, but also for the face of spoilers, we don't really want to put too much out there, uh, even of the parts we have played so far, so you guys can experience that for yourselves for the first time once this game does find the patches it needs. Uh, with that being said, John, again, it being May the 4th, let's talk a little bit more about the future of Star Wars games here. Um, I know there's a lot of different angles they go from different eras to different styles and genres of games. If you could make a Star Wars game tomorrow, what is that genre or era that you kind of like to hit on? Uh, I think, first off, you need to have a Mandalorian game. Mm. Period. End of story. Uh, with how big the Mandalorian uh, series on Disney Plus is, um, you need to have a Mandalorian game. And I believe that like there was a leak or uh, a fan-made game or something that looked like there was a Mandalorian game in developed. And it looked fairly polished, mm. too, from what we could see. That would be absolutely massive. If they were to come out with a Mandalorian game to piggyback off of the success of the Disney Plus series, that would be huge. It would be absolutely massive. The amount of people um, that may not be big gamers but are big fans of The Mandalorian may say, you know, hey, little Timmy, bump over on the Xbox a little bit. Mommy and Daddy want to play The Mandalorian video game. Uh, little Timmy's going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you're just, you know, it's just one of those things. You know, little Timmy's going to be bumped off to the side while mommy and daddy are playing Mandalorian video game. Uh, that's, I think that's the first step. You have to capitalize on, this, on the success of the Mandalorian. Um, after that, I am a little greedy. I would like them to go back to the Old Republic. Yes, I understand the High Republic as a thing. Yes, I understand that is the newest era in Star Wars lore. I get that fully understand the lore of the High Republic need, needs to be flushed out also. But, at the same time, the Old Republic is so untapped outside of the Knights of the Old Republic and the Old Republic MMORPG game, it needs to be explored further. There's a reason why Revan is considered a top five Star Wars character and it's literally right there next to Darth Vader for a lot of people. Um, Revan needs to be explored. Revan needs to have a story. Yes, the the book about Revan was fantastic. I highly recommend the audiobook uh, for the uh, Revan book if, if you really want to listen to it. The voice acting is incredible, um, but just really kind of expands a little bit more on Revan as a character. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic is the story of Revan. Uh, it's it's absolutely fantastic. It, it's definitely an era that needs to be explored more. You take a look at like even the Star Wars um, game uh, for mobile. Uh, Star Wars heroes. A, a lot of the big, powerful characters are Old Republic characters, whether it's Darth Revan or Jedi Knight Revan, um, or uh, I'm blanking on all the names right now, uh, but there's a lot of really strong Old Republic characters that are in the game. Uh, play upon that. Like, that. I feel like that's going to start drawing people more and more into Star Wars video games if they're not already there. And then you go to the High Republic. High Republic let it flush out a little bit more. There's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of great content that's out there, but it still needs to be developed a little bit more before I could see a video game really coming out for it. 
Uh, now, I believe there was a video game in development, um, a little controversial with the studio who was doing it. Was it Eclipse? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a high yeah. public game. It, it, yeah, is that still in, in development or was that? It can? is still in development at Quantic Dream. Yeah. yeah, so so technically there is a game in development with Quantum Dream for the High Republic. Uh, no one knows when that will be come out. But I think, you know, for a brand new era, there needs to be a little bit more lore established. I want to see some some movies, some TV series to come out to introduce some characters, to introduce some lore. And then that would make video games even better for the High Republic era. If you're looking at right now, if I could do one tomorrow, it would be Mando, then High, Re then Old Republic, then High Republic. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. And I know we're going to get some critique from some of our Star Wars friends on kind of holding yes. back on the High Republic, uh, which it is great. And I'm excited to explore that genre. And I think series like The Acolyte will be a nice introduction to that. Um, but I'm with you, John. I'm kind of one of those Old Republic fanboys. I love the storylines there. I think there's so much depth to kind of play with, um, both in a TV movie standpoint, but also in a video game standpoint. Allow us to play out some of those side stories allow us to expand on some of those characters, whether it be Revan, who my preference would be, um, but you have Bastilla over there, you have HK 47, 87, something like that. 47. 47. Um, so yeah, you have some really cool characters in there that you could really expand upon as well, um, both on the Sith side of things with like Malak as well could be another one, um, as well as on the Jedi side of things as well. So lots of different things to expand on there. Uh, Revan as a character itself also being light side dark side and there's a lot of different areas to play with that so it'll be curious to see what they end up doing but yes i'm right there alongside you the only other thing i have i like the idea of a straight up mandalorian game but i'm also not opposed to them going a bounty hunter route um maybe you have the ability to customize a bounty hunter maybe instead of playing as mando you want to play as greedo or um Cad Bane, uh, any of these like famous Ooh. bounty hunters we've had over the time of Star Wars, or maybe you design your own completely. Um, but I think that is really a concept that fell apart when we had Star Wars. I think it was Star Wars 1313 was the code name for it. Um, kind of that bounty hunter game in development at EA. I love the concept. I've always loved the idea of bounty hunters in Star Wars. I think they're some of the most intriguing characters out there, kind of both from backstory perspectives, um, but also just watching their stories play out. And, I mean, maybe there's some hesitation with how well the movie Solo did. It wasn't exactly the most well-acclaimed, and that was very bounty hunter-heavy. Um, but you look at popularity of characters in Boba Fett, Jango Fett, and now The Mandalorian, also very high up there and with different bounty hunter ties as well. So I think there's different perspectives there, but at least some kind of bounty hunter game, whether it's straight-up Mandalorian or whether it's a little bit of an offshoot uh, with a Mandalorian option per se, uh, I do think some kind of bounty hunter game would land very well. And, and just... To remind people who may not remember what we were talking about with this uh, potent, possible Mandalorian game leak, I did find the video again. Uh, I put it back up here on screen for those of us here on Twitch of what this game looked like. Uh, if it is real, if it's not real, if it's not real, this is probably one of the most polished fake games I've ever seen mm -hmm. in my life. Uh, the graphics look absolutely insane. The textures look insane. Uh, the movement looks insane. Um, maybe it's a Battlefield mod. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, at the end of the, at the end of the day, this looks absolutely incredible, and the fact that it's Mando, absolutely massive. Um, so again, don't know if it's real or not. This came out roughly about a year ago, uh, this leak. So um, don't know, but uh, this is what I feel like would be a successful game uh, if this was real and, and came to fruition. Would be a Mandalorian game. 
hundred percent. I mean, the game looks phenomenal, like you said. Like, sure, there's some polish that could be done here and there, but graphically, it looks pretty good. I love the way some of the menu system is. I think the over-the-shoulder both menu as well as combat options look really good in this too. Um, how? I don't know if we want to leak too much on this, um, but how could someone find this if they're not watching the Twitch stream here right now and are listening to the podcast? Uh, it is available on YouTube. Okay. Uh, look up Mandalorian game. Um, you're going to have to get through some spam a little bit, um, but the it's the image, like you can see here, with someone's head right in the middle of it. That is the thumbnail. Um, and there there is a disclaimer up front, uh, which I'll put on screen right now. It's a demo that was leaked by someone by the name of Christopher Turner. Uh, no one knows if it's legit or not. Uh, there were rumors flying around at the time of a Mandalorian game being in development, um, but there is no confirmation whether that video is real or not. Um, but again, with how polished it looks and how clean it looks and how well it runs, um, to me, if there's smoke, there's fire. Um, this looks fairly believable, but again, there's there's no confirmation whether it's legit or not. And there you go. The the title of it's on the screen. Mandalorian game gameplay demo leaked. So it's 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 all on YouTube, and it's you know so it's unless someone decides to take it down, it's going to stay there. There you go. Definitely worth checking out, folks, if you want to see some of that gameplay. But again, you might see some more this summer, potentially, uh, if it is a game in the works at PlayStation, Xbox, Ubisoft, or whoever. Uh, we're definitely going to see some more of those games get announced as we go closer to the summertime. Uh, with that being said, John, I think we are good to wrap up today's show. Uh, it's been pretty good. We hit on a bunch of different stuff, all the way from the drama of Red Redfall, rather, uh, to the Phil Spencer interview, to some of these new games coming out from Riot Games, as well as nice indie studios like those creating Planet of Lana. We celebrated May the 4th, and I think that just about wraps up this week's gaming news so far. All right, Nation, that's going to do it for this edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, make sure you follow the show on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review. The Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else you have a podcatcher. Just look us up. We are there for you. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we love to hear from our community so much. There are multiple ways for you to reach out to us. Joey, what are those ways? Absolutely. We're trying to get better about using it, but head on over to Twitter. If the show does get a change of date or time, you can find it there first. Twitter at Level Up Live, LVLUP Live. In addition to that, you can follow the Umbrella Company OTN Media over on Twitter and Facebook at OTN Media, as well as on Instagram at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow on Twitch, maybe even a Twitch Prime sub if you have one lying around from Amazon, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. This show, Level Up Live, typically recording live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, make sure to tune in next week. That is Thursday, May the 11th. As we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming and esports news, do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We will catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. And remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, level up. <laughs>